This is News To Go, your daily news podcast featuring news from various news outlets, heard via our Anchor podcast app and playing on iRadio daily until mid-afternoon. Now the news. From ABC News, I'm Richard Cantu. Ukrainian officials are calling evidence of war crimes as Russian troops withdraw from previously held cities. The Ukrainians say they found execution-style killings of civilians and other atrocities. Foreign Minister Dmitry Kaleba. We will be working with all international institutions relevant to, uh, make, to, bring, uh, to identify and bring those responsible for these crimes to account. In Tijuana, Mexico, more than 1,500 Ukrainian refugees waiting to get into the U.S. There is a lot of emotion here. These families have come so far, and they're at the door of the U.S. waiting to get in, waiting to make their claim to ask for asylum. They have flown from whatever country they could get out to, Poland, another country, came here to Mexico, and now their names are on a list. They're waiting for their name to be called by volunteers to then go up and make their claim of asylum. ABC's Alex Stone in Tijuana, Mexico. Police in Sacramento, California, asking for any help from the public in Sunday's pre-dawn mass shooting in the city's downtown. Eighteen people hit by gunfire, six killed. Police say they're looking for at least two suspects. The Senate Judiciary Committee today votes on Ketanji Brown-Jackson's nomination to the Supreme Court. The panel could deadlock, forcing Democrats to spend additional hours in a procedural move on the Senate floor to do a discharge from the committee. A bit of drama heading into the Masters Golf Tournament, a Tiger Woods sighting. Tiger Woods says it could happen this week. In a tweet, Woods writes, I will be heading up to Augusta to continue my preparation and practice. It will be a game-time decision on whether I compete. The five-time Masters champion was severely injured in February of 2021 right outside of Los Angeles. ABC's Phil Lipoff. You're listening to ABC News. Ongoing debate over actor Will Smith after his slapping comedian Chris Rock during the Oscars broadcast following Rock's joke about Smith's wife. Sometimes pain parades itself as anger. Bishop T.D. Jakes. If cameras were following us around all the time and if we were on live television, we would all have moments that we would like to have edited out of our lives. And the only way to edit those moments out of our lives from a spiritual perspective is to repent and pray and learn from it, and grow from it, and be a better person because of it. In the nation's capital, the annual celebration of spring's arrival. Those iconic and beautiful cherry blossoms decorating Washington, D.C.'s Tidal Basin and attracting tens of millions of people from around the world. One hundred ten years ago, the mayor of Tokyo, Japan, gifted more than 3,000 cherry blossom trees to the U.S.'s capital. These trees have become a living symbol of friendship between Japan and the United States. The spokesman for the Japanese embassy in the U.S. moved by the massive and diverse crowd. ABC's Kenneth Moten. After three decades as a men's only affair, India's Assam State organized its first top contest of female bodybuilders, Five women competing, 26-year-old Sanjana Wan, declaring herself delighted. She was the first Indian woman to win a gold medal in an Asian competition in 2018. This is ABC News. Wait a minute. You mean now I can listen to GMA any time of the day, anywhere? 
Yes, that's exactly what we mean with the new Good Morning America podcast. Listen to all of GMA Served Up Daily straight to you. Oh, Michael, Michael. What? I'm listening to our new GMA podcast. <laughs> you got, it's really good. Listen to the Good Morning America podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe now. It's really good. Today, faith and state programs are playing today. Here is your National Weather Service forecast. Monday rain before 11 a.m., then a slight chance of rain after 1 p.m. High near 55. Southeast wind around 15 miles per hour becoming southwest in the afternoon. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Monday night mostly cloudy, with a low around 37. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour becoming calm in the evening. Tuesday a 40% chance of rain after 2 p.m. Mostly cloudy, with a high near 57. Southeast wind 5 to 10 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Tuesday night rain, mainly after 8 p.m. Low around 48. Southeast wind around 10 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 80%. New precipitation amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch possible. Wednesday rain likely, mainly before 2 p.m. Mostly cloudy, with a high near 57. Chance of precipitation is 70%. New precipitation amounts between a quarter and half of an inch possible. Wednesday night a 30% chance of rain before 8 p.m. Mostly clear, with a low around 40. Thursday a 40% chance of rain, mainly after 2 p.m. Partly sunny, with a high near 50. With SRN News, I'm Ron Derokstra. Ukrainian leaders renewing calls for a war crimes investigation and sanctions against Moscow after the discovery of brutalized bodies and widespread destruction in the suburbs of Kiev left by retreating Russian forces. President Zelensky spoke as Ukraine's prosecutor general announced a preliminary count of 410 bodies recovered from the area. 140 of them have already been examined by forensic experts. She said her office was investigating possible war crimes. Mrs. Zelensky said Russia's actions fitted the definition of genocide. BBC's Sasha Schlichter reporting. Also at SRNnews.com, Democrats are launching a whirlwind week of votes and procedural maneuvers with the goal of confirming Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court as of Friday. The Senate Judiciary Committee, with a vote of whether to move Jackson's nomination to the Senate floor, the process kicks off this week. The panel could deadlock on the vote, meaning Democrats would have to spend additional hours on the Senate floor to do a discharge from committee. The deadlock is due to the Senate's narrow 50-50 majority. President Biden says it's not known just how much gasoline prices could decline after ordering a record release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. For the next six months, one million barrels of oil will be released from the nation's emergency stockpile every day. And the president hopes it will lower prices at the gas pump. It could come down fairly significantly. It could come down the better part of anything from 10 cents to 35 cents a gallon. Several oil analysts caution that any relief would be temporary because Americans on average use about 21 million barrels of oil daily. In the words of one GOP lawmaker, it's a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Greg Clugston, the White House. Golfers beginning to arrive in Augusta, Georgia for the beginning of the Masters that tees off on Thursday. This is SRN News. President Biden ramping up his support of transgenderism. Mr. Biden says there will be an X gender marker option on passport applications beginning April 11th. 
and new Transportation Security Administration scanners that are, quote, gender neutral. Visitors to the White House will also be able to select an X gender marker option in the White House Worker and Visitor Entry System. It's used to conduct screening background checks for visitors to the Executive Mansion. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Tennessee would ban males from competing against females in college sports under legislation gaining traction inside the state's GOP-controlled General Assembly. The proposal cleared key legislative hurdles in both the House and the Senate, despite objections from Democrat lawmakers. Last year, Tennessee banned boys from playing against girls in public high school or middle school sports. A growing number of states are passing similar bans. This is SRN News. Lawsuits targeting Florida's parental rights law get puff piece coverage in the mainstream media. On Thursday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Parental Rights and Education Act into law, which triggered a reaction from those claiming that the bill deserved to be referred to as the, quote, don't say gay bill. Prior to the signing, many voters polled agreed with the bill when they actually read it. The law deals with parental rights so that children are not subject to being taught matters of sexuality and gender identity that are not appropriate to their age group, specifically those children in kindergarten through third grade. Public opinion strategies found that even Democrats and Biden voters supported the language. As of Thursday, lawsuits have been filed against the bill. Bernie Bennett reporting. Seventeen colleges and universities in several states joining jointly to offer honorary degrees to Ukrainian President Zelensky during their spring commencement ceremonies. Schools in New York, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Virginia are participating. More details at srnnews.com. I'm Ron DeRockstra. Welcome to 2022 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. Stand with Ukraine and pray for us. Help us. Close the sky over Ukraine. Please. Ukrainian Americans gathered outside the White House to call for more support for their homeland as Russian forces build strength in the eastern part of that country. Ukraine accused Russian forces of carrying out a massacre in the town of Bucha amid reports of civilians lying dead alongside roads and in mass graves. Russia's defense minister denied the allegations. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said Russia's withdrawal from the north is slow and cautioned many dangers remain. The first one is that the bombing may continue. The second is that they are mining all this territory. Houses, equipment, even the bodies of people who were killed. There are a lot of tripwires, a lot of other dangers. A White House spokesman warns the invasion is far from over and promised continued military, economic and humanitarian support. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Sunday said the administration continues talks with European allies about tightening sanctions against Russia. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump argued at a weekend rally that President Biden's handling of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan opened the door for the conflict. This invasion of Ukraine would never have happened if I was in the White House, not even a chance. The Senate Judiciary Committee today takes a step towards the first black woman joining the Supreme Court when it votes on Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's nomination. Full Senate approval could come as soon as Thursday. Jackson's expected to be confirmed, given the support of every Senate Democrat, along with that of Maine Republican Susan Collins. She clearly had the credentials, the experience, the qualifications, and the integrity that I look for in a Supreme Court justice. Jackson's confirmation would not change the court's makeup, with six justices generally voting as a conservative majority. The House might vote this week on a small business pandemic aid package, to help restaurants and other hard-hit industries. The $55 billion cost would reportedly be offset by unspent money from prior relief packages. 
First Lady Jill Biden joined the president Saturday at the commissioning of the USS Delaware, a nuclear submarine. The state of Delaware has loved the Bidens and cheered for us in most of our triumphant moments. It has carried us through the darkest times in our lives with a kindness that asks for nothing in return. The First Lady is the sub-sponsor, a role intended to bring the vessel luck. A native tribe in Virginia has reacquired more than 450 acres of sacred land. Bones Cliff is the ancestral home of the Rappahannock tribe. It will be placed in trust with the Bureau of Indian Affairs and open to the public. In 1608, the tribe defended the cliffs against Jamestown settler Captain John Smith, although they were forced from their land 60 years later. I'm Mary Sherman for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Coming up on 5-Minute News. Ukraine city strewn with bodies as Russia accused of massacre. Hungary's far-right Viktor Orban claims victory in national vote. And scientists fight politicians as landmark climate report readied. It's Monday, April 4. I'm Anthony Davis. Bodies showing signs of torture lay scattered in a city on the outskirts of Kiev after Russian soldiers withdrew from the area. Ukrainian authorities accused the departing forces on Sunday of committing war crimes and leaving behind a scene from a horror movie. As images of the bodies emerged from Bukha, European leaders condemned the atrocities and called for tougher sanctions against Moscow. In a sign of how the horrific report shook many leaders, Germany's defence minister even suggested the European Union consider banning Russian gas imports. Ukrainian officials said the bodies of 410 civilians were found in Kiev-area towns that were recently retaken from Russian forces. One resident said that Russian troops went building to building and took people out of the basements where they were hiding, checking their phones for any evidence of anti-Russian activity before taking them away or shooting them. Volodymyr Zelensky said his government would take steps to create a special justice mechanism to investigate every crime committed by the Russian forces in Ukraine. Russian Defense Ministry said in a statement that photos and videos of dead bodies have been stage-managed by the Kiev regime for the Western media. Russia asked for a meeting today of the UN Security Council to discuss events in the city. The US and UK have recently accused Russia of using Security Council meetings to spread disinformation. Hungary's far-right nationalist Prime Minister Viktor Orban declared victory in Sunday's national elections, claiming a mandate for a fourth term, as a still incomplete vote count showed a strong lead for his right-wing party. In a ten-minute speech to Fidesz party officials and supporters at an election night event in Budapest, Orban addressed a crowd cheering Viktor and declared it was a huge victory for his party. We won a victory so big you can see it from the moon, and you can certainly see it from Brussels, said Orban, who has often been condemned by the European Union for overseeing democratic backsliding and alleged corruption. 
with around 91% of votes tallied. Orbán's Fidesz-led coalition had won 53%, while a pro-European opposition coalition, United for Hungary, had just over 34%, according to the National Election Office. Akos Hadhazy, an opposition MP, said Orban can get any of his lies to Hungarian people. Even if we hire the best communication expert, the government will always win these races because they can get their messages to much more people than we can. Even before polls closed, opponents called attention to possible voter fraud, the possibility of which prompted the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe to dispatch a 200-strong team of election observers. Fears of fraud had been fueled before polling day, after a large number of election ballots, most of them said to be for opposition candidates, were reportedly found partly burned in a sack at a landfill site last week in the Romanian region of Transylvania, where many ethnic Hungarians have dual citizenship and voting rights. Opposition parties and international observers have noted structural impediments to defeating Orban, highlighting pervasive pro-government bias in the public media, the domination of commercial news outlets by Orban allies, and a heavy gerrymandered electoral map. Scientists and campaigners have urged the world must abandon fossil fuels as a matter of urgency, rather than entrusting the future climate to untried techno-fixes, such as sucking carbon out of the air, as governments wrangled over last-minute changes to a landmark scientific report. Talks on the final draft of the latest comprehensive assessment of climate science from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change stretched hours past their deadline on Sunday. Scientists and governments were locked in disagreement on questions such as how much funding was likely to be needed for developing countries to tackle the climate crisis and what emphasis to give policies such as phasing out fossil fuel subsidies. Governments have been accused of trying to water down the scientists' findings, originally due to be published early this morning, after delays and disagreements on Sunday postponed by six hours to later today. The report itself, hundreds of pages long and drawing on the work of thousands of scientists over the past eight years, is settled. But still in dispute is the crucial summary for policymakers, a selection of key messages running to only about 40 pages. While the report is drafted by scientists, the summary, which is the key reference document for governments, is edited with input from every UN member state that wishes to be represented. Many countries, including the US, the EU and the UK, are reconsidering their reliance on fossil fuels in light of the Ukraine war, which has pushed already high energy prices to record levels. Energy is now seen as a national security issue, and the crisis in the cost of living in many countries is forcing governments to rethink ways to protect their citizens from high prices and climate breakdown. You can subscribe to 5-Minute News on YouTube with your preferred podcast app. Ask your smart speaker or enable 5-Minute News as your Amazon Alexa flash briefing skill. Subscribe, rate and review online at 5minute.news. 5-Minute News is an evergreen podcast covering politics, inequality, health and climate. Delivering independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. 
From Feature Story News in Riga, I'm Ollie Barrett. Ukraine's accused Russia of committing atrocities in the Kiev suburb of Bucha, where it says civilians were executed in the street and mass graves have been uncovered. Russia's dismissed the allegation as a provocation. Julia Chapman reports from Moscow, where journalists are subject to reporting restrictions. Russia's Ministry of Defense says not a single local resident suffered from violent actions while Bucha was under its control. Moscow's ambassador to the U.S. says what he calls the Kiev regime is trying to shift blame for its atrocities. He said while Russian forces withdrew from the area, it came under artillery fire from the Ukrainian government. Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zaharova said Kiev is using the allegations to disrupt peace talks, which were due to resume on Monday. Russia has called for a meeting of the UN Security Council to discuss what it calls a provocation by Ukrainian radicals. Julia Chapman, Moscow. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky made a surprise taped appearance at the 64th annual Grammy Awards in Las Vegas. He implored the crowd to help support his country against Russia's invasion. Rachel Silverman reports. In his surprise message, Ukrainian President Zelensky asked the audience to support his country and not to stay silent. This year's Grammy Awards winners include John Batiste, who won five awards, including Album of the Year for We Are. The throwback funk R&B duo Silk Sonic won Song and Record of the Year for Leave the Door Open. And 19-year-old Olivia Rodrigo took home the prizes for Best New Artist, Pop Vocal Album, and and pop solo performance for her single Driver's License and her album Sour. Viktor Orban has won a fourth term as Hungary's Prime Minister with a landslide election win. The nationalist candidate criticised Brussels bureaucrats and Volodymyr Zelensky in his victory speech. China's sending thousands of medics and military personnel to Shanghai to carry out mass COVID testing of the city's 26 million residents. Richard Kimber reports from Hong Kong. Multiple provinces around the country are sending thousands of medical workers to Shanghai with more support coming from the army and navy. The city began large-scale lockdowns a week ago, but case numbers are still rising. While the outbreak level is small by global standards, the growing spread is putting a strain on China's rigid goal to eliminate the virus entirely using testing, contact tracing and large-scale quarantining of all positive cases and their close contacts. It's also placing pressure on China's post-pandemic economic recovery and global supply chains. Shanghai is home to the world's largest container port, and its financial district is the China base for the headquarters of many domestic and overseas companies. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. Today, the complexities of holding Vladimir Putin, his top advisers and individual Russian commanders to account for the war crimes that appear to have been committed in Bucha, just outside Kiev. Our guide to the thicket in which the international community will soon find itself is Sir Mark Lyle Grant, the British government's former national security advisor. The key first step is to gather the evidence, um, and that should be relatively easy, given that there are a lot of journalists present on the ground and the Russians are now withdrawing. The International Criminal Court prosecutor has started an investigation, but Russia itself, as a country, is not a member of the ICC. It pulled out in 2016, so very difficult to hold Russia directly to account. The best avenue, therefore, is that the ICC can issue individual arrest warrants 
when they identify those responsible for individual uh, war crimes. But of course, those individuals being Russian would have to be extradited from Russia or to travel abroad and then be arrested when they were abroad. So it's going to be extremely difficult in practice to hold either President Putin or indeed any of uh, his soldiers to account for individual crimes they've committed. And the US government already accusing Russia of war crimes also does not recognise the International Criminal Court. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. To recap the top stories, Russia's dismissing claims its forces committed war crimes in Bucha in Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky made a taped appearance at the 64th Grammy Awards in Las Vegas. Viktor Orbán's won a fourth term as Hungary's Prime Minister with a landslide election win, and China's sending thousands of medics and military personnel to Shanghai for mass COVID testing. That's the latest feature story news from Riga. I'm Oli Barrett reporting. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend. I once heard of a man who at age 50 bought 1,300 marbles and placed them in a jar and set them on his shelf. When asked why, he said, chances are I will die at around the age 75. That leaves me around 1,300 weeks. So I will throw away one marble at the end of each week. And as I'm losing my marbles, I will have a constant reminder of how fleeting my life is. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. and Today we come to what may be the oldest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 90, the Psalm of Moses, where we pray that God will teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, listen. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death, they are like the new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Friends, 
Psalm 90 is a reminder that our lives are so, so very brief as set against the eternal existence of Almighty God. We're here but 70 or 80 years, while to Almighty God, a thousand years are but a day. I mean, think about that. A thousand years ago, what was going on? The Vikings were floating around the world. People traded not with money, with animals and crops. There were no clocks to measure time. Printed materials didn't exist. You know, castles weren't even really a thing yet a thousand years ago. In 1022, it was a vastly different time, yet that was only yesterday to God. This is a sobering reminder of how short our lives are because we are under God's judgment. And sadly, most folks don't think about life's brevity. I mean, how many folks do you know who spend a whole lot of time caring for their bodies? I meet folks who are in the gym regularly, they're running and biking, folks who eat real healthy, they're keeping track of their steps, their calories, their cardio. And if I ask them why, they might say, Joel, I want to be healthy. I want to stay fit. Why? So I can be strong, so I can have a strong heart. And if I kept asking them why, most will eventually say, Joel, so I can live longer. And if they're not a Christian, I might ask them this. No matter how many years you add to your life, you are still going to spend a lot more time dead than you are alive. So let me ask you, how are you preparing for eternity? Friends, Psalm 90 teaches us that we need to be numbering our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I believe verse 14 is the answer to wise living. We need to pray each morning, asking God to satisfy us with his unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. We must learn to find our satisfaction, not in this world, but in God's steadfast love. Love that outlasts this brief little moment on earth. Love that stretches to the heavens. And that's what helps us to see what Moses began with. The very first verse. The loving, eternal Father God has always been our dwelling place. Not this world of time and space. Friends, this psalm teaches us to pray and to long, seeking in God's significance and belonging that transcends time. As Augustine once said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Him. Not that this detaches us from this world or makes us of no earthly good, but quite the opposite. Understanding that we were made for eternity and we're living among others who are as well. This compels us to want to live our lives here to have impact, for our labors to be dignified, for God to establish the work of our hands. And the good news is that this is what God wants as well. That's why he gave us Psalm 90. Friend, God is pleased to bless the prayers of those who recognize that they're losing their marbles. So turn today and ask God to satisfy you with his unfailing love as you seek to sow seeds in this age that will blossom into eternity. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. There's a song from the 1961 Broadway musical Carnival called Love Makes the World Go Round. I wish I could sing because I'd sing it for you, but you know. Love makes the world go round. Love makes the world go round. Somebody soon will love you if no one loves you now. Pretty good. 
To know love, to be loved, and to love others is the greatest need and purpose of our life as a human being. To know love, to be loved, and to love others. In fact, love was at the heart of Jesus' ministry. I'm giving you a new commandment, he said, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. It is your love for one another that will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus' death on the cross showed us the deep love he had for the world. He lived out in death the love of God that he shared with people while he was alive. Wherever he went, it seems that crowds of people would gather around him trying to to touch him and to to catch and to hold on to the the warmth and the love and the faith and the healing that, that just came from him. And while many people look at that Jesus as being a man full of sorrows because of the way his life went, he can also be viewed as a man who was mostly happy and smiling and full of the peace of God as he worked to change the world through the ways in which he lived his life. Except that is on Good Friday, the day he put the suffering of mankind on full display for the entire world to see. Now, it's easy to put Jesus up on this pedestal as we remember all the the holy and the divine things he's done. He he changed water into wine and healed the sick and fed thousands of people at one time, raised the dead and the blind could see and the lame could walk. And while it's easy to remember in that light, we also have to remember that he was just as human as you and me. And that's why he understands us so well, because he was fully human. In his life and in his death, he underwent the same range of emotions and experiences in life that we do. Here was a guy who could (coughs) calm the wind and stop the storms and raise the dead as only God can do. Yet at the same time, Jesus felt the same love and joy and pain and sadness that our scripture reading tells us about this morning that Allison read to us. He even became thirsty like we do. So as we go out into the world and and bear our own cross in in the life that Jesus understands, he understands everything we're going through, you see both good and bad, because he experienced it long before you and I were ever even thought of. You know where Adamsville Cemetery is? I see a few heads shaking, yes. It's in Adamsville, Michigan, which is just up the road here, way out Michigan Street. Adamsville, this road here dead ends into Adamsville. Adamsville Cemetery just before you get into downtown Adamsville. Noreen's laughing at downtown Adamsville. But 
<clears throat> but as a, there's a lot of people on my dad's side of the family that are buried in Adamsville Cemetery. And I can remember as a little kid having to go up there twice a year, we go up on what was called Decoration Day to put the flowers out and then we go back in the fall to take them off again. As I got older, it wasn't a whole lot of fun because, you know, I'd rather stay home, do other things and go out and do that. But, <clears throat> but the one thing I'll always remember about that was in the middle of the cemetery was a water pump. Right in the middle of the cemetery was a water pump that pumped the coldest water you have ever had. Water that, that most likely came from an underground spring from Christiana Creek that's not too far away, or, or perhaps one of the lakes up in that area up in there. But in all the years I can remember going up there, the, the water was always there. There was never a time that you didn't pump the pump that the water came out, even in the hottest, driest times of the year. And we weren't supposed to drink it, you see, but we drank it anyways. And some 60-some years later, I stand here before you and tell you that that was the coldest, most refreshing water I have probably ever had in my life. And I don't know if it's still there or not. I was going to drive up there and see and never made it, but it doesn't make any difference. Two times in the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks of his spirit, or what we call the Holy Spirit, as being thirst quenching. He speaks of the Holy Spirit as being a spring of living water that bubbles up and leads not only to an abundant life here on earth, but also to an eternal life when we die. The first time he used this water as a metaphor was in the fourth chapter of John when he met a Samaritan woman at the well in, in the middle of the day and Unlike other women who came early in the morning to beat the sun, she, well, she had a reputation and not well, is not well liked amongst the town. So she came when no one else would be there, which was in the heat of the day. And it was during his conversation with her that Jesus offered her the, the promise of, of living water that would never leave her thirsty again. And the second time he used it was at the festival of the tabernacles where he was reminding the Israelites of all the good things that God had done for them over the years, including providing water for them out in the desert. And as he was doing this, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the ones who believe in me drink the water. If we look back in the Old Testament, it's like the, 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 always the breath of God that, that offered Israel's abundance. Into the New Testament, Jesus, through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit, comes to do the same thing. People in the Old Testament were thirsty. People in the New Testament were thirsty. People today are thirsty thirsty. People today are thirsty for justice and righteousness. They're thirsty for freedom and from away from oppression. People are thirsty to be valued as nothing more than a, than a human being. 
advertising companies know how thirsty we are. You've seen the commercial on TV. If you love her, this diamond ring will prove it, you know? They don't tell you how much it costs, but it'll prove your love. They want us to believe that happiness can be found in a, <coughs> a new car or a, a new weight loss plan that they've come up with or some type of a, a new cosmetic cream that will void you of all your wrinkles. Or you can take this once-in-a-lifetime vacation that'll take away all your troubles forever and ever. I've seen candy bars advertised on TV and, and little drinks that you drink that'll give you as much energy to make, help make you through the day just on a little candy bar. We as a people are thirsty and we want to be recognized. We, we're thirsty for power and we're thirsty just to be exciting to the, to the world and to the people that are around us. But I'm also here to tell you this morning that we're very, very gullible people. And the advertising companies know this. Why waste your time on, <coughs> on money and things that will never truly satisfy you, especially, says Isaiah the prophet, when you can experience the living water of peace and joy and love and happiness in your own life through something else. Listen to what Isaiah says. He says, all of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Whoever has no money, come, buy food and eat. Without money at no cost, buy wine and milk. Why spend money for what isn't food and your earnings for what doesn't satisfy you. Peace, joy, love, happiness, and eternal life. This is what Jesus offered the woman at the well, and this is what Jesus offered the people at the festival that day. Peace, joy, love, happiness, and eternal life. This is what Jesus offers us as well. As a gullible people who continually think that we have to buy this or buy that or eat this or eat that to, to be totally satisfied with our lives. Jesus is offering us the abundant life. A life that can only be permanently satisfied by having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's what this is all about. John Wesley calls the, this thirst quenching that is made possible only by the work of the Holy Spirit as sanctification. Sanctification, he says, is being perfected in love as Christ's Spirit works within us, transforming us as we become more and more like Christ. Just as Jesus is this source of living water, the living water that comes from ever-flowing fountain that will never, ever run dry, the, the ever-flowing fountain that will continually quench our thirst offers us an abundant life. But living water that he's talking about is not just meant to flow from him to us. 
this living water, this, this, this source of abundant life is supposed to flow from us to other people as well. The love and compassion that poured from his heart to ours is meant to be shared with the thirsty world outside the doors of this church. And there are a whole lot of people that are thirsty out there. When we drink from this living water that he offers us, it not only satisfies us, but it, it empowers us and it, and it transforms us to be for others what Jesus has been for us. A lifesaver. Jesus is a lifesaver. We all thirst for, for peace. We all thirst for a peaceful, less combative world. We all hope that everyone will be kinder and, and more gentle, more patient, more loving. We all hope that everyone would be more like Jesus. For us to receive this living as he offers us, he had to give of himself as he passed through what is described in the 63rd chapter of the Psalms as a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I wonder today, where are you being called to give of yourself during this season of Lent? What is Jesus calling you to do to take on the, 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 the form of a, a servant to serve other people? Where is he inviting you to pour yourself out on, on behalf of those who are, are thirsty for love or maybe thirsting for finding hope in, 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 in their, the injustice that they face? Where are you for the people that are treated as if their lives really didn't matter. People are thirsty for the world to see them and their families as simply precious children of God, that, that they really are. And my hope is that we will thirst with them and that we might be willing to reach out and quench the thirst of all the people who want nothing more than to be loved by people like you and me. Simple, everyday people. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be beautiful. You don't have to wear a tie and a sport coat. I want to finish today with a prayer that's commonly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. It goes like this. <clears throat> Lord, let us be instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life.
You see, St. Francis recognized that in the giving of ourselves, that we all, that's where we're going to find the greatest gift of all time. In pouring out ourselves for others. Pouring out ourselves for others. We are going to find ourselves perpetually filled with, with this cool, refreshing water that Jesus offers us. And it's a water that will never, ever leave us thirsty again. The world around us, folks, is thirsty. It's thirsty. So drink deeply and drink often. And be willing to share the thirst-quenching power of Jesus Christ with those who don't have it. Amen.